Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of the College Hoops Daily Podcast presented by Betfred Sports. My name is Zach Crow. I am your host, and this is the show where we talk all things college basketball from now until the end of the Final Four. The road will end there, and it is such a great time of year, right? We have mid-major conference tournaments going on left and right. The Horizon League is underway. Antoine Davis from Detroit Mercy, unfortunately, was only just four or four points away from breaking Pistol Pete Maravich's all-time record for points scored. He missed a three at the end of the game last night that would have tied it. But I wanted to say shout out Anton Davis for a marvelous college basketball career. Hopefully, we will see Detroit play in just one more game in either the CBI or one of those uh, postseason tournaments in addition to the Big Dance and the NIT but shout out to him for and congratulations for a great career. And the Missouri Valley is underway. The Atlantic Sun is underway. Kennesaw State and Liberty both collecting uh, some pretty big wins this weekend. And they will face off in the Atlantic Sun Conference Championship game. That will be Sunday at 3 o'clock for a bid in the NCAA tournament. I cannot wait for that one. And we have a loaded weekend slate, and we're going to get to it. I have a, a few thoughts on some of the biggest games coming up this weekend, but I wanted to start off this show with some thoughts on last night's action. And really for what it's felt like to me, one of the fir- for the first time this entire season, on a Thursday night, Thursday and Friday are usually the quiet nights of the week. We have Pac-12 that usually plays on Thursday. The Big Ten, I think, as well, has done a good job playing some of their games on Thursday. But some of these conferences like the Big 12, the ACC, the Big East, they rarely play on Thursday. So sometimes the action could feel limited. But last night, that was not the case. We had a handful of games that were really determining a lot in the big picture of college basketball. And we have to start in the Big 10 with a classic double overtime game between Illinois and Michigan. And there were just so many twists and turns in this game, right? Illinois, they played well for the majority of the game. They had the lead. They were up by about six, seven points with about a minute to go. And Jet Howard in Michigan make a couple big-time shots, and they send the game into overtime. Then at the end of overtime, Michigan has about a seven-point lead with 140 to go. They blow that, and Illinois ends up taking the game in double overtime. And this is just such a heartbreaking and just a crushing loss for Michigan. And this is not the first time something like this has happened to Michigan this season, right? If you remember, Michigan got off to a tough start, and they have been playing much better basketball of lately, but they're going to look back on some of these missed opportunities as to why they did not make the NCAA tournament, assuming they don't get there. That's not confirmed yet. They're still sitting in the first four out, but they still have plenty of work to do if they want to hear their names called on Selection Sunday. So Michigan on January 12th was playing at Iowa. Michigan was up four with 29 seconds left, and they lose that game to Iowa. In addition, Michigan was hosting Indiana on February 11th. They had a three-point lead in that game with about six minutes left and just didn't score the rest of the way. Their offense just went silent for the remainder of that game. If that if Michigan could have just found a way to win, their season could be looking much different as well. And then you have the game last night where they were up seven with about 140 left in double overtime, and they find a way 
to blow that game. So Michigan, it's really frustrating. They've had a ton of opportunities, and I really like what I've seen from Kobe Bufkin. He's establishing himself as one of the better players in the Big Ten. He finished with 23-6. and six. Hunter Dickinson, he still has never beaten Illinois in his three-year college career, which is a pretty crazy stat, and that continues. But he had an awesome game, 31 points, 16 rebounds, and just did whatever he could to try to lift Michigan over Illinois. Unfortunately, uh, that was not the case. And Jed Howard, he is just such a polarizing player, and I totally understand why. He's so skilled on the offensive side of the ball, hit a couple big threes to tie the game and uh, to go on a run for Michigan. But unfortunately, his defense is very lackluster, has a lot to work to do, and that's a clear weakness right now. Illinois really did a good job taking advantage of that. And it's an interesting question, like, is Michigan technically better without Jet Howard? I think at times they can be, especially on the defensive end. We saw Michigan win three games in a row over Michigan State, Rutgers, and Wisconsin prior to this Illinois game. And now the Wolverines will end their season in Bloomington at Assembly Hall against Indiana. And if the Wolverines want any chance to get into the NCAA tournament without winning the Big Ten tournament, that is a game they need to have in the absolute worst Way, But going on the road to Indiana, that's not going to be easy. Really looking forward to that game. Not an impossible game, especially considering Michigan was right there with Illinois down the stretch of this one. But, man, that's going to be a loss they look back on, just like many of the losses they've had this season. Uh, Michigan also lost uh, to Q4 Central Michigan during non-conference play. When I watch the Wolverines right now, unfortunately, I do not see an NCAA tournament team. And this would be the first time in the Jawan Howard era that Michigan would end up missing the big dance. And when it comes to Juwan, I still think he's a really good coach. He might not be John Beeline, but those are impossible standards to put on anyone. But in his first few years, he had Michigan in a really good spot, gets them to the Elite Eight in only his second year. His first year, the COVID year, they were really good. They were in position to make the big dance, and they got to a Sweet 16 last year. I know the regular season wasn't ideal, but he still got them to the Sweet 16, pulled a big tournament upset over Tennessee, and if Michigan could find their way into the big dance this season, then that would be even better. But unfortunately, right now, that's not looking like it's going to be the case. Shout out to Illinois as well. Uh, Taryn Shannon, he, he, every time you watch Illinois, you just have no idea what you're going to get from him. Shannon, he has 21 points and seven rebounds, but only shoots four or 14 from the field. Pretty efficient. 13 of 16 from the foul line, but also 0 of 5 from 3. Matthew Meyer, I'm not sure how he doesn't have an NIL deal with Monster Energy yet. He came to the podium after the game with about six of them after uh, he got caffeine poisoning following their loss on Sunday to Ohio State. That Just such a crazy sequence of events there. But shout out to Meyer. He led Illinois with 24 points. When he's on, Illinois is so fun to watch. And I still believe in the talent on this team that they could compete with basically everyone in college basketball. It's just so hard because Illinois at times will look really good, and at other times they'll just look awful like they did on Sunday against Ohio State. They are one of these teams where it is late Mar- or early March, and I still just have no idea what to think about them this late in the season, which is always crazy. But shout-out to the Illini. They find a way to get the job done. This is now a few games recently where I don't want to say they pull a win out of nowhere, but there were many times – throughout Illinois' game against Northwestern last Thursday and many times throughout Illinois' game last night against Michigan where you just feel they're dead and all of a sudden they come back out of nowhere. The Illini are also missing 
both of their starting point guards, two freshmen that they were relying on early in the season, Sky Clark, he had to take some time away from basketball, time away from the team. We hope he's getting better, uh, but also uh, the kid Jaden Epps, the freshman who is a really good scorer with the ball in his hands. He could be a little bit inefficient at times. He's out with the concussion protocol and that really made Illinois play a no point guard lineup last night of just three wings, Melendez, Shannon, and Meyer, a really good four man in Coleman Hawkins who could stretch the floor a little bit and a big man in danger. I'm curious to see what that lineup looks like the rest of the season, season for Illinois. Also wanted to give a shout out to Ty Rogers, the freshman. He had one of his better games of the season last night with 14 points. The talent is still there for this Illini team to be really good. And I really hope that eventually Brad Underwood, He's a really good coach. I think he's one of the more underrated coaches in this sport. I'm hoping to see him go on a deep, deep tournament run sooner rather than later. I think the last few years also, Illinois has really not been helped out by the committee at all when it comes to their seeding, playing a, a Ken Palm ranked top 10 team in the second round of the big dance in each of the last two years. And I know that's not an excuse, like you should beat anyone you're playing against, but that's just a tough break. And I'm curious to see Illinois this season is going to be around that six, seven, eight line. I just think this is one of the more volatile teams I've seen in this NCAA tournament picture, meaning they could beat anyone at any time and lose to anyone at any time. But shout out to the Illini last night. That's a really nice win over a Michigan team that was desperate. There was another game last night in the Big Ten, and it was another game featuring a team really fighting, scratching, and clawing for their NCAA tournament lives, and that was Purdue going on the road to Wisconsin to take on the Badgers. If you remember, when these two teams met in Madison last year, it was actually for the Big Ten title, and Wisconsin won that game, eliminating Purdue from that conversation on a Chucky Hepburn bank three. But this year, Purdue gets their revenge. They go into the Cole Center and beat the Badgers 63-61. to And this was such a massive win for Purdue. I'll start off by saying that because this Boilermaker team has not been playing their best basketball uh, in the last month or two. They actually had, I think, their most disappointing loss of the season on Saturday at home to Indiana. And it's not that Indiana's bad, per se, or that's not a – that's an awful loss. Like, I don't mean that, but the fact that Jaden Huchifino came in dropping 35 points when Purdue really did a solid job on Trace Jackson Davis, they weren't really going to let him be the guy that beat them. So when you look at this Purdue team, they lost to Indiana. They got smoked on the road by Maryland. They lost on the road to Northwestern. This Boilermaker team, after getting off to such a good start this season, they're six and four in their last 10 games. And if they would have lost last night, then they very realistically could have been off the number one seed line. And that is still not out of the question, by the way. Purdue will end their season on Sunday hosting Illinois. That's going to be a fun game. If the Illini could ever find a way to go into Mackey Arena and beat the Boilmakers, that might be the kind of win that will fully put me back on board before we get to the big dance. But Purdue... If they could earn a win, that would be a really nice way to go into the Big Ten tournament with some momentum. Right now, the Boilers are, they've actually clinched the number one seed in the Big Ten tournament. Uh, they have won the Big Ten regular season title. Congratulations to Matt Painter. And they're going to be the one seed in the Big Ten tournament. So that game against Illinois doesn't really affect them from a seeding perspective. But I just think from an overall confidence level and Zach Eady, 17 and 19, just a dominant player, ridiculous. But the key for Purdue is they need way more from their surrounding cast. And when we were seeing 
them get that early in the season. That's when this team was just playing at their very best. That's when we kind of figured like, okay, this team might be really good. And I understand why it's difficult to rely on two freshmen in your backcourt from that aspect in Braden Smith, in Fletcher Lawyer. They actually both played pretty well last night, combining for 21 points, uh, especially Lawyer, 6 of 11 from the field. Each of them hit a big three. Like, I'm not even worried about their two freshman guards, as, as crazy as that sounds. Even though they've had some ups and downs, in the biggest moments of the biggest games, Smith, uh, Smith and Lawyer have actually proved throughout the season they're not afraid of the moment, and they could come through. The thing I'm worried about with Purdue is their other surrounding uh, parts around those three guys, like their veterans, guys like Brandon Newman, guys like Mason Gillis, guys like Ethan Morton, guys like Caleb First, guys like David Jenkins, even a Trey Kaufman-Wren. I know he's super young. I know he's a freshman, but this is a former top 50 recruit that hasn't been playing great. And if those guys aren't making shots, that's when Purdue is in trouble. Uh uh, Smith and Lawyer had some decent moments last night. Even Ethan Morton had seven points. Brandon, Brandon Newman had seven points. Like if you could get seven to nine points consistently from those guys, that's when Purdue is just really hard to stop. And I just think from an overall confidence level, especially after the Indiana game, this win will really help them. And hopefully they could continue to build some momentum. Like going into this Big Ten tournament, I have no idea what to expect. Because listen to this, right? I told you Purdue they clinched the number one seed in the Big Ten tournament. They're going to be the number one seed. But we don't really know anything after that. There are eight teams uh, in in place, two of nine in the Big Ten standings, that are all uh, tied or a game separating each other. Illinois, Indiana, Northwestern, Maryland, Iowa, Michigan. So that is six teams I just announced. Six. I'll say them again. Illinois. Indiana, Northwestern, Maryland, Iowa, and Michigan. Those six teams are all 11 and 8 in the Big Ten Conference. Excuse me, 11 and 8. Michigan State is 10 and 8, so they're only a half game back. And Rutgers, that could have been the worst loss we've seen all of last night. They blow a 10 point lead with about 110 left and lose to Minnesota. Yeah, the same Gopher team that's currently 2 and 16 in the Big Ten. That was only their second. Big 10 victory of the season. I know Muat Mag is hurt, but that's, that's seven games now. Uh, Rutgers, two and five in their games without Muat Mag. He really made a big time impact on the defensive side of the floor, but that is just a ridiculous level of separation in the Big 10. Plus you have Penn State who is competing for an NCAA tournament berth. They just had a monster road win over Northwestern to put them back in the tournament picture. Joe Lenardi actually has them as his last team into the field right now. And then you have Wisconsin, who's also fighting for a berth. They're 8-11. and 11. So the Big Ten tournament, there is just going to be a ton of competitive basketball that's being played in that league. And I, I can't wait. Purdue, they're going to be the favorite. But we've seen, especially away from Matthew Arena, they could be vulnerable at times. But shout out to the Boilers, a very hard-fought win last night. And you got to feel for Wisconsin. That's the second game in a row and at least the third or fourth game recently that they've dropped that they're really going to look back on and regret. They had the three-point lead at Michigan on Sunday. Dickinson, ridiculous catch-and-shoot three to the tie, sends the game to overtime. Wisconsin also lost in uh, at home to Rutgers in the final seconds. Andre Hyatt hits the game winner. That was a tough loss. They've lost to Nebraska. They've lost to Northwestern at home. Like We've seen some uncharacteristic losses from this Wisconsin team. And unfortunately for them, they're currently on the outside looking in 
or actually, according to Bracket Matrix, they are the last team in. So Wisconsin is literally 50-50. Like the, if the bracket was announced today, they might get in, they might not. It's one of those where they're just right on the cut line, but they're going to end their season at Minnesota on Sunday. And the only direction they can move in, in after a game like that is down. Even if you win that game, if you're Wisconsin, you're going to have a tough time getting into the big dance if you don't do anything in the Big Ten tournament. And that's why the standings here are so important. And even, even consider this. If the Big Ten tournament started today, of course, we have a full weekend slate of games, especially given how close the standings are. I don't think we could like use these uh, current standings in the current picture with too much value. But right now, Wisconsin's the 11th seed, meaning they would play on the first night, weakling Wednesday, as they like to call it uh, across college basketball. So Wisconsin would play Minnesota again in the first round. And then if they win that game, they would play Iowa. I think in order for Wisconsin to feel at least somewhat comfortable on Selection Sunday, they need to win that Iowa game. And then they would even get Indiana if they won that. So the good thing about playing in the Big Ten is, especially going into the Big Ten tournament, you're going to have just a ton of opportunities to win and add uh, quality Ws to your tournament resume to raise that net to raise your resume to improve your resume and I have a couple teams circled like Wisconsin Penn State Michigan even Rutgers if you want to throw them into the conversation those four teams in particular are pretty close to the bubble right now and they might just need a win or two uh, to get them into the big dance and that could be the difference because especially this year the the cut line and the margin for error it's just so small like there aren't a lot of differences between these two between all of these teams and Wisconsin being so close to a victory over Purdue, who's currently on the number one seed line, that is just a heartbreaker for the Badgers. And there's just been a ton of games recently. They're going to look back on if they miss the big dance and just say, man, if we could have just closed them those games out, we would be in a much, much better position right now. But shout out to Purdue. I think that's a game they really needed in terms of their confidence. And, and they got it. A few other results I wanted to hit on last night, and they are on the West Coast in the Pac-12. And I mentioned about Purdue that they needed that game against Wisconsin because with every loss they have from now until the end of the season, that could affect their seeding on the one line. And I understand they've lost a few games, especially on the road here lately, but Purdue fumbling that number one seed away possibly wouldn't even be like a full negative uh, commentation of them, in my opinion, but the UCLA Bruins are officially coming. This team is now 26 and four overall. They've won nine games in a row, including last night's dominant performance over Arizona State, aka the same Arizona State team we saw go into the McHale Center last Saturday and win. I know it was on a crazy long buzzer beater, but they got the job done. And really, after Arizona State got off to a pretty solid start in this game, they were up 14 4. UCLA never really looked back. And in the second half, they score Arizona State 43-29 to and get the victory behind 26 points from Jaime Jaquez. He would get my vote for Pac-12 Player of the Year. And I've been saying this for a while now, but I'm putting myself fully on the bandwagon. I think UCLA might just be the best team in the country. And I think right now they would be my pick to win the national championship. Now, I did pick these Bruins to win it all in the preseason, but there have been many times throughout this regular season where I'm like, eh. I don't know if I'm fully all the way in, but I watched them on Sunday against Colorado, and I know it's Colorado, right? That's not 
really the best measuring stick game, especially going up against a Pac-12 team that's below average in a below average league that's super young. Tad Boyle's team is going to be really good next year. But this year, they're just getting as much experience as they possibly could for the younger players. Uh, Not a vintage great Colorado team. And it was close down the stretch, but Tiger Campbell, UCLA's point guard, who's been to a Final Four before, he's there's nothing in college basketball that Tiger Campbell hasn't really seen throughout his career. And he wasn't phased at all, made a couple big plays late. And there was one play that was very reminiscent to me, not reminiscent, but it really signaled that this UCLA team might be the real deal. It's one thing to have veterans that might not be the best NBA players, but they're pretty good college players and their experience helps you, right? But the thing, in my opinion, that takes UCLA to the next level is their freshman. And Adam Bona had a block on Colorado. The Bruins were up by two in the final 20 seconds. He has a block and it goes right to another freshman, Amari Bailey, who's had an up and down freshman year. Hasn't been great. Hasn't been terrible per se. He struggled a little bit with injuries and he slams the Bona block. The block went all the way to the under end of the court, a big time swat by Bona. Bailey dunks it in and UCLA comes away with a victory and they've now won nine games in a row and they've only lost four games all season. And this is an elite defensive team. They have a head coach that's been to the final four before. I know there's some concerns, right? The Pac-12 conference is pretty weak and UCLA isn't in these just wars and grinders of games opposed to when we see them play against some of the other teams around college basketball that play in the Big 12, that play in the Big East or the Big 10. And UCLA, they're going to play Arizona on Saturday. Arizona beat them in Tucson the first time they matched up earlier this season. So that'll be another opportunity for UCLA to show just how they match up against some of the better teams in the sport. But I'm all in on this Bruin team. Mick Cronin, I know some people don't like him. I know some people really like him. But the bottom line is, since he's gotten to Westwood, all UCLA has really done is win. And if you remember, even in that first season, when no one really expected the Bruins to be anything and they got off to a pretty bad start, if you remember, they lost to Hofstra at home in Mick Cronin's first season during non-conference play, and they still found a way to put themselves in position to make the NCAA tournament before everything got shut down. That, of course, was the 2020 COVID year. So Mick Cronin has done a phenomenal job with this UCLA team, and I would not be surprised to see them in Houston for the Final Four. Love Hawkes, love Campbell, love Jalen Clark. The experience those guys bring, not a lot of teams can match. And Arizona State is good. Like they were a team kind of like Wisconsin, who's right on the fringe of playing and getting into the NCAA tournament. But I think the Sun Devils are legit. I think if they get in, like they could win a tournament game or two and UCLA shut down that notion immediately. What a performance by the Bruins. I think they could be coming for Purdue's number one seed if the Boilermakers aren't careful. That's why they really needed that game last night. And just a shout out to Mick Cronin and his Bruins for getting the job done and playing some great basketball as of late. One last thought from the games last night, and we will stay in the Pac-12. I mentioned that on Saturday, one of the bigger games we have is UCLA hosting Arizona. And the Wildcats, they're not in a similar position in terms of getting the one seed and being anywhere close to that line. Even if Arizona wins the Pac-12 tournament, I'm not sure if they could climb all the way up there. But Arizona showed last night going on the road, beating USC 87 to 81. And that anyone who watched the game knows like the game wasn't that close. The final score was way closer than what actually happened in that game. Arizona had a pretty comfortable lead throughout the game. And Arizona is one of those teams where I go back and forth on a lot because 
they've been very inconsistent and they've taken some pretty confusing losses at times this season, losing at home to Washington State, the Arizona State loss. I know that's a rivalry game, but that's a game they really should win. And even losing like to Utah, losing to Stanford, like these are games you wouldn't expect Arizona to lose. Like they don't lose those games last season. And the duo of big men, they play on the floor together with Tubelis, with Balo at times offensively. And most of the time, I would say like, that's really effective, but I have some concerns with that on the defensive side of the floor, especially if you get them like guarding people on the perimeter and Arizona's guards are just super inconsistent. Like Ben Matherin and Dalen Terry aren't walking through that door, but in a similar version and thought to last year, when Kirk Creasa is playing well, Arizona could beat anyone. And he played well last night. And when you look at the stat line, like it wasn't great. He finished with 11 points, two rebounds, four assists, but shot three of six from three. When he's making his threes, this is when Arizona is at their very best and just very tough to beat. Courtney Ramey as well played great last night, 16 points. He shoots three of seven from three. It, it honestly felt even better than that watching for the majority of the game. Also, uh, Cedric Henderson, really nice impact glue guy for the Wildcats. So they have winning players on this team. It just comes down to if they could get enough stops on the defensive end and what is Kirk Reese playing like. I think those are the two biggest keys for this Arizona team. To Bellis, he's going to give you some pretty solid production each and every night. He finishes with 25 and 10 last night. Just absurd. He is, if, if anyone not named Jaime Jaquez is making legit cans for uh, Pac-12 player of the year, I'd put Tubelis in that category. I'd also put USC's uh, Boogie Ellis in that category. He finished with 35 last night. Oh, my God. And pretty efficient 11 of 20 from the field. Like, USC, I don't think this team is particularly better than some of the Trojan teams under Andy Enfield we've seen in years past, especially the team two years ago with Evan Mobley that made it all the way to the Elite Eight. But Boogie Ellis is a guy that could carry your team in March. And if Drew Peterson gets hot, and another good sign for USC, by the way, Reese Dixon Waters with 17 points and six rebounds last night uh, in 35 minutes off the bench. That's one of his better performances we've seen from him so far this season. This is a guy that showed some real nice flashes towards the back end of last year and someone that I've been waiting to break out for a while. And he last night played one of his better games of the season. So I think this USC team is one to watch going forward. If Boogie, Drew Peterson, and Dixon Waters could really score the ball, that's when this team is just really tough to stop. They also have Vinci Wachuku back and healthy. He's making an impact. Joshua Morgan, he's back and healthy. He's making an impact. So watch out for USC. They are, in my opinion, a dangerous 10-11 seed that could surprise you and win some games in the big dance. That Boogie Ellis-Drew Peterson duo, and I know Peterson didn't play great last night, but that's definitely one to watch going forward. And shout out to Arizona. I didn't necessarily know if they still had a game like that in them, and they did. And as a two or three seed in the big dance, Tommy Lloyd, uh, he has done such a good job since arriving in Tucson. And uh, Arizona is definitely a team to watch going forward. But a really fun game, fun night of action last night in college basketball. A ton of results that really impacted the bubble. Nothing better than that. And uh, nothing better than important big time games of college basketball in the month of March. Welcome back to another episode of the College Hoops Daily Podcast presented by Betfred Sportsbook, and I'm your host, Zach Kroll. Before we end and wrap and get to the final segment of today's show, I wanted to thank our presenting sponsor and the sponsor of all things Aaron Torres Media, Betfred Sportsbook. 
Betfred is one of Europe's biggest sports books with over 1,600 shops in the UK. And recently, they've come to the US and made a splash in a big way. They are the official betting partner of the Denver Broncos, Colorado Rockies, and now the Cincinnati Bengals. But more importantly, they're the perfect partner for us here at the College Hoops Daily Podcast because they do more for their customers than any than anyone out there. Betfred has VIP tailgates at Broncos games, the Betfred suite at Bengals games, and no one gives out more free bonuses than Betfred. As a matter of fact, we have a special offer for our listeners and first-time users where you can bet $50 on any College Hoops game and get $250 back in free bets courtesy of the Betfred Sportsbook. To learn more, visit bedfordsportsbook.com. So before we get out of here, I wanted to give you guys some thoughts on all the weekend's games because there is just so much at stake. When we get to this last week of the end of the regular season in the Power Six, we've already had some conference tournaments kick off, by the way. The Atlantic Sun, Horizon League, Patriot League, Sun Belt, Ohio Valley, Big South, Northeast Conference, Missouri Valley, West Coast, the SOCON, CAA, and the Summit League. They've all kicked off already. And we are going to be handing out 32 automatic bids into the NCAA tournament uh, based on whoever wins their conference tournament. So that's going to be a very exciting time. I'm looking forward to where you're going to have a ton of conference tournament coverage on this show coming up in the next few days. I'm really looking forward to it. But it's time to preview some of this weekend's biggest games. And we have to start in the SEC right off the top with two big ones. At noon Eastern on Saturday, we'll have number two Alabama. Going on the road, taking on number 24, Texas A&M. And this is an interesting one because Alabama, they've secured the SEC regular season title and the number one seed in the SEC tournament. And Texas A&M, they have secured the number two seed in the NCAA, in the SEC tournament. So both of these team seeds are set. They're locked in. And this will also be their first meeting of the season. In addition, Texas A&M, the Aggies, have not lost a home game in SEC conference play yet this season. So that game is going to be a phenomenal watch. Really looking forward to it. I have been really impressed with just how quickly Buzz Williams has been able to get his team from right outside the bubble to on the bubble to now comfortably in the NCAA tournament field. When you look at the A&M Aggies, they have now won eight of their last 10 games and they will be the number two seed in the SEC tournament. Uh, Just phenomenal basketball they're playing shout out to buzz williams and his squad also in the sec we'll have number 23 kentucky going on the road to arkansas both of these teams will be coming into this game straight off of a loss now kentucky they did have some unfortunate circumstances with their star freshman guard case wallace he left the game on wednesday against vanderbilt and his status going forward is going to be questionable Arkansas, they had a tough loss to Tennessee. There was some shock and awe on both sides in that game with Zakai Ziegler, the Tennessee point guard. Unfortunately, he is now out for the season, going down with a torn ACL. So this is a game that is really interesting to me because I think if you're asking me, like Zach, who do we like in the SEC to make a deep run in the NCAA tournament? These might be the two teams that come to mind, especially now with the injury to Ziegler and Tennessee. Alabama, obviously they're the best clear-cut team in the SEC, but they have a ton of question marks right now. They have not lost in the three games since all the Brandon Miller news has came out. But at the same time, when you look at this Alabama team, they something's just off. They aren't the same team as we saw for the first uh, majority of the season. So 
If they want to get back on track, they can, but that's not going to be easy to do in an NCAA tournament setting. Really fascinated by this game with Kentucky and Arkansas, especially considering both teams will be entering this game coming off pretty tough losses. Another game at four o'clock, a little bit of an anticlimactic ending going into this one, but Kansas, they're ranked number three. They'll be going on the road to number nine, Texas, and Bill Self and the Jayhawks have secured their 19th Big 12 regular season title in the last 21 seasons, at least a share, which is absolutely absurd. But this game would have been for an outright Big 12 title if only Texas could have found a way to go on the road and beat TCU on uh, Wednesday night. And that was a tough loss for Texas. They were competitive for the majority of the game. They were close to really taking over a few times, but Texas Christian University and TCU, they held them off. And this game doesn't mean a ton in terms of seeding in the Big 12, but Texas is still right on the line fighting for a two or three seed in the Big Dance. There's currently a three-way tie for second, third, and fourth place in the Big 12. Kansas State, they will uh, head to West Virginia on Saturday. That's a fascinating game. Baylor, they will host Iowa State. And Texas, they will uh, host Kansas. So those are three big games in the Big 12. Still plenty of seeding to be determined in that conference. Saturday at 6, we will have a big game here for the ACC regular season title. Number 25, Pitt, going on the road to number 16, Miami. The winner of this game will not only be the number one seed, In the ACC tournament, but they will at least clinch a share of the conference tournament because most likely Virginia is going to beat Louisville and uh, Virginia, Miami and Pitt. They are all tied in the ACC with the same record right now. So there is no clear cut leader. All those three teams are 14 and five. Uh, So if Virginia beats Louisville, which you assume they are, they'll be 15 and five, which also makes the winner of this game 15 and five. But they whoever wins this game will have the tiebreaker because both of these teams were able to beat Virginia earlier this season. And this is another game where both teams are coming into this one with pretty interesting circumstances. Pitt, they just had arguably their worst loss of the season at the absolute worst time on Wednesday going down to Notre Dame. I know on the surface that loss doesn't look particularly great considering Notre Dame right now is all the way at the bottom of the ACC standings. They're three and 16 in the ACC, 11 and 19 overall. And they're actually locked in to the number four seed or the number 14 seed, I should say in uh, Greensboro for the ACC tournament coming up this week. And as bad as the loss was right, it was Mike Bray, the most legendary coach uh, Notre Dame has seen recently, I was going to say the most ever, but obviously Digger Phelps might have something to say about that. But Mike Bray has been a legend at Notre Dame, and it was an emotional night for sure with it being his last game. The problem is, though, the analytics and the metrics in the net, which Pitt isn't really sitting great in right now, they don't necessarily recognize that. So that's an awful loss by Pitt, even though the circumstances might not have been ideal. Miami, they're another team coming off a bad loss, one of the many teams that fell victim to the crazy buzzer beaters we saw over the course of the weekend. And that's why this game is so interesting to me is because there's so much at stake, but I'm curious to see what the mental state of both of these teams are considering that they're both coming off pretty bad losses. And both of them, I know Miami went to the Elite Eight last year, so they have some championship experience, but not everyone uh, is going to be in that same position. Not everyone back. Like Nigel Pack is a phenomenal player. He hasn't played in these big games, though. I'm curious to see 
Pitt-Miami, that's going to be a phenomenal game on Saturday. And Pitt, they're an older team, even though it might be their first experience playing together on a pretty big stage. So Pitt-Miami for the ACC title, I'm pumped up for that one. In the Big East, another game I'm pretty pumped up for, number 14, UConn, going on the road to Villanova. The Wildcats have now won three games in a row. They've won six out of their last 10 games, and they're really starting to play their best basketball of the season, especially Justin Moore is now back in the lineup. He looks better than he has at all since coming back from the injury. But it's crazy because UConn, they're red hot as well. These are the two hottest teams in the Big East. Maybe you could throw Marquette into that conversation. But the Huskies have won four games in a row. They've won eight out of their last 10 games. And since we saw uh, November, December UConn, I feel like all Husky fans know what I'm talking about. Like there was a point uh, earlier this season where UConn looked like they could be just the best clear cut team in all of college basketball. And they faded a little bit since the start of Big East play, losing some tough road games, but they're playing some really good ball. Now, Dan Hurley, it's a huge season and a huge March for him. He is still yet to get to his second weekend as the head coach of UConn. And with this team, right? Sonogo, Andre Jackson, Tristan Newton, he's starting to play some really good ball, but Jordan Hawkins, he's really emerged as that guy for this Husky team, Caravan, he's had a really nice freshman season, but this is a big time game between two of the most legendary programs in the Big East and Villanova. Their only way to get into the big dance is going to be most likely winning the Big East tournament, but that's more than possible. They are another team where their seeding for that is locked in. They are going to be the number six seed and they will take on Georgetown. Yes, the same Georgetown team that has only won two Big East games all season. They'll take on the Hoyas, and with a win there, they'll get the number three seed. Uh, that w- could be Providence, that could be Creighton, that uh, could be UConn. It could be any of one, one of those teams, but all we know in the Big East right now, Marquette is the number one seed. And then you have everything locked in at the bottom with Villanova as the sixth seed, Seton Hall as the seventh seed, St. John's and Butler. We don't know which one of those two teams are going to be the eight, which team is going to be the nine, but those two teams will play each other in the eight, nine game. We just don't know what seed each one will be. And then we will have DePaul as the 10th seed and, of course, Georgetown as the 11th seed. The Big East Tournament at Madison Square Garden, that is going to be an epic, epic time. I'm really looking forward to it. On the West Coast, we have the last game we will be going over uh, in terms of games to look at this weekend. UCLA, they're ranked number four. They've been playing some phenomenal basketball. They've won nine games in a row uh, after their big-time win over Arizona State last night. We mentioned that at the beginning of the show. And... Arizona had an impressive win last night over USC, really dominating that game from start to finish. So this is a phenomenal game. They played once earlier this season on January 21st. Arizona in Tucson really dominated that game, but UCLA has just been playing such great basketball. They're competing for a number one seed. As time goes on, the less and less that gap is between UCLA and Purdue for that final number one seed. Every game that each of those two teams play going forward matters a ton because it could affect their seeding on the number one line. Before we get out of here, there was actually one other game on Sunday that I wanted to hit on. It will be Houston, the team that right now they are ranked number one in the country, and they will have a massive opportunity to really secure, in my opinion, that number one overall seed if they could go on the road to Memphis and get the victory. And Memphis has been playing some really good basketball lately. They've won three in a row. Uh, Kendrick Davis, their top star guard, is now healthy back in the lineup. He actually returned to his old stomping grounds last night at SMU, played a really good ball game. 
He, uh, in his return, dropped 23 points, 10 assists, and he's starting to look healthier and healthier and healthier. And unfortunately, Keontae Kennedy, he's a guy right now that is injured and out for the time going forward uh, for Memphis. And same with Alex Lomax, but he is looking like he's going to play in this game against Houston. And I'm just really looking forward to this game because it's finally going to be the first time we see Houston against another team that's going to play in the NCAA tournament. And that's no fault of their own per se. Like they play in their conference, the American athletic conference. It just doesn't have as many opportunities for quality wins against the better teams as a normal other conference would like the big East or the big 12 or the sec or the big 10 or the PAC 12, all the power six leagues. So the AAC, it is tough to find quality wins. And the one time Houston did play Memphis earlier this season, that took place about uh, two weeks ago, Memphis was without Kendrick Davis. And if you watch Memphis, you know that Kendrick Davis is the guy that the Tigers just cannot afford to lose. And they, with the win, I think they really secured their tournament spot last night, avoiding the bad loss to SMU. But you know, that could happen again in the AAC tournament. And when you look at this team right now, uh, they could go on a run. That And they could be a team that not many people ex- uh, are expecting to that does. And I think they're going to play well on Sunday against Houston. I'm really looking forward to that one. Should be just an awesome weekend of college hoops. And I'm also looking forward to breaking it all down with you guys on Monday, along with uh, conference tournaments and everything going on there. We will have all of the conference tournament brackets the next time we speak to you here on the College Hoops Daily Podcast. So everyone have a good one. Everyone enjoy the weekend. I hope you enjoyed the show, and I'll talk to you guys soon.